Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, I'm Sam Delaney, and this is The Reset, a mental health podcast without all the bollocks. My guest this week is the actor John Bradley West, best known for playing Samuel Tarly in Game of Thrones. For the first eight years of his professional acting career, he was a star of the biggest show on the planet. Then, in 2018, Game of Thrones came to an end, and John was left with that daunting feeling of what next. I think we've all had that feeling on some scale or another in our lives. I got to know John a bit when he came to watch me and Andy Dawson perform our Top Flight Time Machine podcast live in Manchester in 2019. Straight away I realised for a guy who's recognised the world over for his work on such a huge entertainment phenomena as Game of Thrones, he's remained extremely down to earth. I'm sure you'll agree when you listen to our conversation and I hope you enjoy doing so. John, welcome to The Reset. Cheers Sam, thanks very much for having me on mate. It's my absolute pleasure, it is my honour mate. Um, Really good to catch up. The, the, the life of an actor to many people seems dead glamorous, yet successful actors, people like yourself who've been in very famous things, you sort of think, oh, what, what fun. But I always think that it must never leave you, even if you're the biggest star in the world, the sort of anxiety you must get from that. You're constantly living with that idea of, will someone choose me or not? Is, is that a, a big challenge mentally? Yeah, it's such, a, it's such an interesting... You're, you're so at the centre of such an interesting Venn diagram of outwardly sort of extrovert and super confident. And you have to, you have to have the ability to sort of put yourself out there to raise your head above the parapet and say, I'm really good actually. And you should watch me. You you should, you should pay to watch me because I'm really good. (laughs) And at the same time, having that some sort of sense of, Fear in the rejection all the time. It's it, 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 it's that feeling that I'm I'm good enough to watch, but I'm also not good enough that I can guarantee that I'll be working all the time and that I'm I'll be, I'll be. And I think part of it comes down to the fact that it's such a it's such an intangible, strange sort of skill set. Really, it's not like playing the guitar or or playing a musical instrument where you can practice it and you can hone it. And even if you're not working you can sit at home and get good at it i mm. think that acting in the same way that stand-up it's something about in you have to wait for sort of inspiration to strike and it may never strike again you may never mm. you may never be able to find a good character again you may, may never be able to pitch a line in the right way ever again because you just don't know what you really press to make it work in the first place so I, th- I, th- I think a part of that, part of trying to, and I think that that's what a lot of actors have this very, like Daniel Day-Lewis, for example, as the ultimate example of it, they develop this process that they feel is sort of consistent and foolproof. And they do, yeah. this, they do this every single time because it gets results every single time because they're, they're desperate to make it something that, that they can control and most of the things about this business are so hard to control anyway. It's about them controlling what they feel that they can. Because, you know, casting, 
and you know the writing that you get the projects that you get sent you've got no control over that so it's about them desperately trying to find a, a process that they can control and feeling then that they, they've got some sort of a grip on this very unpredictable and very sort of volatile job that they do it's quite it's, it's quite interesting and and i think that that's one thing that that sort of puts people off people go into acting in all good faith but i think it, it, that sense of potential rejection and the idea that nobody might want you for years mm. i think that i think that it's that type of thing that you either learn to live with that and find ways healthy or otherwise of dealing with that sense of rejection or you just decide that you can't and you and you get out of it as quick as you can i think i think that's the test it's not necessarily it's not necessarily about is somebody talented enough to stay and work in the industry it's have they got a hide thick enough that that sense of rejection can be dealt with and what about you do you think i mean clearly you're here you've been in this business for for a long while now or a decent length of time now you you have that height do you think you were born with that or do you think it's something that you just develop and and get stronger along the way no i think i think i think I'm, i i am still very fragile about it and always always will be and you know part of the part of the way that i've dealt with that on this journey is to think you know there have been a lot of people who've given me great opportunities in my life and they think that I can do it. When I was just out of drama school and had never been in front of a camera before, there was this team of producers from America who'd have thought it when I came out of drama school in Manchester, who thought I could do this job for them. And even if I sometimes didn't think that I could, their faith in me gives me the confidence to believe that I can. And, and, that's, that, that, that's, a, that's a good thing to have. I, I think that sense of gratitude and that sense of feeling that I have to repay their faith in me, I think that that's, that's actually quite a healthy thing at its root to have. But what it's also left me with is, you know, gratitude may not be exactly the right word because then that feels like they've done you a favour. You know what I mean? Mm. So, some, sometimes you feel... And still do sometimes, but certainly up to a few years ago, it's not like, oh, I'm waiting for the right job that I can do better than anybody else in the world. Sometimes you feel I'm waiting for somebody to do me a favor and, and, give, and give me a job. It doesn't feel like I'm ready to earn myself a job or earn myself a place in this film through my ability and my hard work or whatever. Sometimes you do think I'm waiting for somebody to do me a solid and get me out yeah. and get me out the shit here. And I think that and I think that I've I've sort of got better at that. But because the chances of me ending up, you know, coming from, you know, council house in Manchester, drama school in Manchester, to go into this American show that became so big, the chances of that are so small. You are forgiven for thinking they fucking really pulled it out the bag for me here. And they didn't need to. They they could have cast somebody who knew about marks and knew about lights and knew about lenses, but they didn't. They gave, they gave it to me. And why did they give it to me? And how can I repay them? And how can I sort of, how can I, how can I get a sense that this has sort of happened to me when you don't feel that you necessarily deserve it? Is there a sense, do you worry, ever, like, do you ever get that feeling? I know I've had it before when I've had good opportunities, is you sort of secretly think, oh, this was a fluke. I fluked this. And therefore, it kind of removes your own role. You don't think, oh, I got it on the basis of talent. It's because I fluked it. Somehow they've made a mistake and accidentally yeah. given me this job. If you allow a voice in your head to tell you that, it's really undermining, isn't it? Oh, totally. Totally. I, I, and I found that when I, first got, when I first got Game of Thrones, there was a big sense of all my mates that I've known ever since I was four years old and my mates in drama school, they were all really chuffed for me. My family were really chuffed. There was a lot of sort of back slapping and a lot of celebration. And I, I sort of joined in that and I, and I reveled in that and I was so excited. And then eventually they all went away and it was just left for me to do the work then. Mm. And that felt like, that felt like a different, 
test altogether. It's a bit like, where are you lot now for support when I'm in front of a camera for the first time and, and have to, have to now deliver on my promise that I'm good enough to, to be in this show. It's a, it's, it's, it's such a weird thing, isn't it? And, and I, and, you know, I did find that coming out of Game of Thrones, when I did come out of it, it, it felt absolutely like I'd, a, a door had been slammed again. Mm. And I felt like I was suddenly on the outside of this party that I'd been allowed access to as a guest. I'd been allowed access as a plus one, flukily, mm. to, this, mm. to this party for the last eight years that suddenly I was banged on the outside of and my momentum had gone and I'd have to start again. And the chances of getting back to that level were, you know, it was lucky enough that I managed to do it in the first place. The fact that the idea that I can now be on the outside of it and do it again. Repeat the trick. Repeat the yeah. trick and for, for lightning to strike twice, it just felt undoable. And, and it wasn't about, it wasn't necessarily about a fame thing because I thought I've always had a, a reasonably healthy attitude to that. And I've sort of dealt with that with, well, still living in Manchester, still seeing the friends that I've known since I was four, still seeing my mum and dad all the time, spending my spare time in, in a quiet way doing what I've always done, which is going to see United, going to see my pals, all those, all those things. I've never belonged to a Hollywood set and I've never even belonged to that that group of my peers who are that London social set of actors who all seem to know each other. I've got friends in that circle, but I've never, ever belonged to it. I've always come out and just come back home and just led the same life I've always led. So it, it wasn't about fame. It was about that le- working at that level is now over. And I'm 30. Do you know what I mean? It's, I, I'll probably find work later down the line, but, I've experienced it's that it's that you know, the James lyric. If I if, if if I hadn't seen such riches, I could live with being poor. You know what Do I mean? You know what? That's so weird. I was about to quote that lyric to you as you were talking. Yeah, it is. It popped into my head from nowhere because it is a line that has meant a lot to me for the same reasons over the years. But totally. yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And the thing is, as well, because of the the way in which you were, you were cast, as you say, when you were like literally just out of studying, right? Yeah. You're just out of being a, a theatre student. Yeah. And so it was so immediate that that brings a lot of challenges, doesn't it? Because it's not like, well, I had my years of, of, of being out of work or struggling. Then I had that long eight years. So I can still call upon my experience of those early years. Exactly. Exactly. And, and part of you sort of, because, because I went into it with no, with no camera training. We did like three hours camera training in three years at uni. My fourth hour in front of a camera was on Game of Thrones. Part of it was a bit like, I don't think that I did, I don't think that helped because I was learning to do it with such pressure on. Learning, learning to be an actor for camera when there was hundreds of thousands of dollars being spent every day. And if I fuck it up, that's wasted. And mm. we've got to do it again. And I, I actually feel that one of the things that helped was a lot, a lot of the people who were in the show who had bigger roles than me, especially in that first season, like Kit Harrington, uh, Emilia, Clark, they, they were very, very new to it as well. Right. So, so I think that what we did is we became such good friends in that first season because all of us were a bit scared. And I think that the friends that you make when you're scared they tend to become very good friends because you sort of cling on to each other for support. It's interesting about friends though, because I've always said, uh, you know, my, my closest friends are the friends at home and, and, you know, this, that and the other. And that's true. And not, not through any sense of duty, just because they really are a right laugh. And I think I'm more similar, more similar to them than I am to anybody else. But when I finished Game of Thrones and I was feeling this sense of emptiness and I was feeling bereft and I was feeling that this party was over, I almost felt that I couldn't talk to them about it because it felt like a trivial problem that that I didn't expect them to have any sympathy for or even listen to me. They would have because they're great pals. A, I wouldn't have thought they'd quite understand because it's a bit like, 
oh, you're not in the biggest show in the world anymore. Well, fucking snap, mate. Well, it's hard to relate. It's hard to relate, isn't it, to a situation like yours for people yeah. who aren't. If, and, and that's 99.9% of people in the world have got nothing, have got no experience to relate to that. Yeah, but, but yeah, exactly. And I think that that's, that that's a lesson to be learned, really. But I've had worse things than that happen to me in my life. You know, my mum was very ill for a year, about 10 years ago. And that was, that was horrible. But because that feel, that does feel like a universal, widely accepted problem, you felt that you're more able to talk about that because you know you'll get sympathy for that in the same, mm. and being suddenly, you know, un- unemployed, but having earned quite a lot of money that it doesn't, you know, enough money that it doesn't necessarily matter in the, in the short mm. term. It feels like it feels like less of a universal problem. And it feels like some, even now I talk about it, it feels like an indulgence to talk about it. And it feels like a, like something that, something that I, sh- I sh- you know, I should have got over and I did get over. But I remember coming back from doing promo for that last season and just feeling, it's, it's a horrible feeling actually to be, at, to be 30 years old and think that your best years are in the past mm. and there's just nothing to look forward to. And, you, and I'd go out and I'd still be recognised by people and they'd say about Game of Thrones and stuff. And you'd think that actually if you're in sort of low self-esteem and you're feeling sort of worthless, that that would be a balm to you because it would be a little bit of attention. But actually, that's the last thing that I wanted because it was a bit like, that's by going along with that, that's me acknowledging that it's all in the past. Yeah. That's me, yeah. That's me sort of acknowledging that it's over. That it's over. And I'm, I'm, yeah. my, my currency is still all in the past. And, you know, it doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't sort of sound even now like much of a problem, but I remember at the time, thinking really, thinking I'm fucked now. And, and, it, and it was Game of Thrones, you know, the idea that I was, I was overweight and, you know, very, very low self-esteem and thought that as an, as a, as an actor, somebody who looked like me was never really going to get anywhere because you look, at, you look at young actors and they're all fucking gorgeous and you think well that's not me so what's going to happen to me and then these two geniuses in Hollywood were looking for exactly me all, yeah. all they were looking for me and they picked me and they rescued me from that and showed me what I was worth and it's a bit like well, okay well, great but now that's finished so what am I actually worth now and what is going to happen to me and mm. and I started to sort of you know for, for that few months started to sort of self-soothe in the way that I always did, which is with food. I've never, never drank really. There's a history of drinking in my family. But I've seen, I've seen my dad in some terrible states and that felt sort of traumatic at the mm. time. And, but I genuinely just don't like, don't like the taste of it. I'm very, in a sort of sensory way, yeah. I, pr- I prefer the taste of, you know, crisps. Yeah, I, 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 I prefer the taste of all that kind of stuff, and mm. I, and 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 never done drugs either. So so you know, in in that sort of Soho world of actors, in that sort of Groucho-y type world, mm. I've always felt outside of that and looking mm. into that. Not not having any, not having any thought on it either way. I don't resent them, and I don't wish that I was part of it. But there's something about it where you see people doing their own coping mechanism and their own vices, getting pissed and doing rails and, and all that type of stuff. And you do think to yourself, I've got my own coping mechanism, which is to go back to my room and eat a load of crisps and order a McDonald's at 11 o'clock at night when I'm not really hungry. Mm. But they, they really seem to be enjoying themselves. Mm. There's a euphoria and a glamour and an excitement and a sort of sexiness to their vice. You know what I mean? Mm. 
people like Mick Jagger have done that. And who, who doesn't want to be Mick Jagger? Who doesn't want or in to? Or in, in your industry, you know, people look at the, the old kind of the Richard Burtons or the Peter O'Tools and it yeah. was all tied into their sort of glamour and celebrity was tied into like them being reckless drinkers, wasn't exactly. it? And so yeah. it sort of society almost judges it quite positively, that coping mechanism. Society does, but also also the... The, the young actors themselves do. Yeah. They think, oh, that's a, that's a template that I have to sort of live up to. And it's an interesting thing about them, you know. They're I, 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 talking about Oliver Reed and those people. They sound, they sound like a right laugh on a night out and they sound like a, they sound like, you know, great media figures and stuff. Mm. But they must have been a fucking nightmare to work with. Mm. It must have been, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a good job that you were, A, as sort of naturally, instinctively good and as famous as they were, because if you weren't that good and you weren't that charismatic, you're never going to get employed. So, so, so people, who, people who feel that they have to live up to that should think to themselves, Am I, can, I, can I behave like this and still do my job? And part of some of them, you just think, well, maybe, maybe you can't. But the, 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 well, being on the outside of it, 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 it did feel like my vice and my coping mechanism was much more solitary and much more unglamorous in a way that what I was choosing to do was, you know, which was to sort of self-medicate with food, was, was making me very unhealthy over a period of time but also making me feel like I looked worse and that I was getting more unattractive the more that I did it. So it totally fed itself. And, it, and this isn't me saying that you can't be attractive or you can't be healthy if you're overweight. I know a lot of people are, you know, just lucky enough to be very happy in their own bodies. And that's something that I admire greatly about them, but I just wasn't like that. And it was, it was, it was, it was just a thing that, that guilt of, that guilt of feeling that I needed to, you know, to treat myself in order to cope with the stress of it, knowing that that was contributing to the very thing that I was probably stressed about at the time. And, and, and you know, that, that isn't me saying that it's, 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 you know, worse to be a food addict. It's not that I call myself an addict because I don't really know enough about it. And I think I'm, that word is thrown around a lot where true addiction is, is a, a genuine problem. And people who trivialize the word addict by saying it when they're not, I don't think they're particularly mm. helpful. It, it's not that I think it's worse. It's just that from the place I was in at the time, it felt like at least other vices had a high to them and they looked like they were having so much fun. Yeah. And I, and I never, I, you know, coming out of Game of Thrones in that time, you, I started to have these thoughts that just weren't really me and weren't really based in anything where I was a bit like, God, that's over. And I never even really enjoyed myself. Yeah. I never did the entourage lifestyle. I never, but you know, thinking about it now, I can't believe I thought that because I never wanted that. That was the last thing. Yeah. That was the last thing that, that was the last lifestyle I ever wanted to subscribe to. But the idea that now I can't have it and it's, it's the choice to have it has been taken away. It's a bit like, fucking hell, I did that and I didn't even make the most of it. Like, I didn't even yeah. properly enjoy myself. I just came back to Manchester. That's no fucking good. But there's so much that sort of drives... Every, a lot of what you're saying is about how our sense of what counts as enjoyment, what counts as fulfilment, what counts as happiness, what we should be doing, is just dictated to us by all sorts of mad sort of outside influences that have no basis in reality. So, you know, uh, I can relate to the whole thing about, you know, people looking at these kind of rock and roll actors, the legendary rock and roll actors, as almost like a design for life or a template for a career, because that's cool. And it shows that it also almost like fuels your sense of a tortured creative genius right? totally. who, yeah. who, who has to drink. And the thing is about drinking and drug taking is ultimately – it's just depressing and comes from a place of sadness and fear, right? And I know that as someone who's been down that route, but for years I would have admired people in, in all of these showbiz uh, industries, the rock stars, the actors and everyone else, the writers, and thought, God, isn't it, aren't they cool, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's really like, uh, and also, you know, that kind of 
oh, I, maybe I should have done those things when I had that opportunity. It takes a lot of time, a lot of living. In my case, it's taken, you know, a, a lot of years for me to sort of think any of those things that I might have aspired to doing were not the reality of what I actually wanted to do. A lot of life is just about work, getting, digging down and find out what is it that I actually want to do? Yeah. What brings me happiness? Why, you know, what brings me fulfillment? Not what society or my peers or anyone else tells me should be fulfilling. Yeah. So like, you're like, well, maybe, maybe I should have gone on the piss and got really into Coke and, you know, and all the other things that I saw in Entourage, right? And it's like, yeah. I can, I've totally been there myself in my own separate way. And then you look back and you think, like, exactly like you just said, you know what? Fuck that. That is not something that I would have ever wanted to do. It's not something that I could have ever derived pleasure from. It would have just left me full of bad feelings, toxic feelings. But I guess um, uh, that one of the big things about wh- whether it whether food's your thing or drugs or drink, or for some people it's other things, for some people it's spending money or whatever, gambling, a lot of it I think is to do with shame. You have a certain amount of shame that you carry around with you a vice or an addiction or a bad habit can sort of help to numb that shame. But exactly as you describe with eating, it, it, it numbs it temporarily, but then very quickly inflates it. Because what I'm hearing is, is that, you know, the way that you used food at times of emotional pain actually just made you feel even more ashamed of yourself. And yeah. because of the way, it's so interesting what you say as well. I'd never really thought about it before, but, yeah, I mean, you can sort of get away with the drink and drug stuff and sort of almost make a joke out of it. And yeah. and people all, on one level think it's cool, even when they can see you're fucked. Yeah, you know? I, exactly. But yeah, f- f- food addiction is not, there's not really a template for kind of making that funny or cool, is there? So the shame gets even more inflated. And I guess the more shame you feel, the more likely you are to go and find bad ways of dealing with it. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's exactly what it is. And, you know, somebody who uses food in the way that I did, and it's only, it's only since then that I've, able to, I've been able to really properly get a, get a grip of that and understand that behaviour, that, you know, you can be, you can condemn people who drink, and especially people who do drugs, because there's a, there's a sort of, there's a, a sort of extra layer of, illegality to that where you're a bit like fucking pricks what the fuck are yeah, you yeah. doing and yeah. uh, and drinks the same thing you see people out and about drinking and pissed up you think oh what wankers and all this kind of stuff but you don't you don't necessarily see that your use of food is just a different vice to deal with the same problems you know what i mean because yeah. food because food feels innocent food is something yeah. that your parents gave you and it's something that children eat you know what i mean so you don't feel it's like a, it's a treat it's a little self-reward isn't it exactly in, this, in, sugar same- in particular from where your childhood it's like oh i've done something good today i'm going to reward myself exactly but it doesn't feel transgressive in the mm. same way that drink and drugs feel transgressive so you still feel that you're on the right side of things you think i'm not i'm not leading a uh, a damaging lifestyle because i don't drink and i don't do drugs i'll just have a whole pizza to myself. You don't realise that that's that that's your way of dealing with the same problems that people who drink are dealing with theirs, and in a sort of in a way that's just as unhealthy. And because there is no social aspect to it, you know what I mean? Because you don't want because people who do drugs most of the time they're with other people who do drugs, or with people who drink, they're in a drinking school with people who are all getting pissed at the same speed. But with eating, you don't want people to see you doing it. So you do it in secret. You wouldn't go into a restaurant and order, sit there at a table and order a massive fucking pizza for yourself and loads of sides because Mm. you are ashamed of it. So you do it in private. It doesn't feel like there's a social aspect to any of that vice. And yeah, it took me. It took me. It took me a while, and the and the the sort of way that I dealt with that, and the way that I dealt with the other the other uh, you know coming out of Game of Thrones thing. This, you know, this is going to sound this this is going to sound unlikely, 
but I've got I've got Jennifer Lopez to thank. <laughs> Amazing. Because because I because I was in I was in this I was in this fog for a long time and and really seriously slapping weight on and not feeling there was any light at the end of the tunnel. Didn't feel didn't feel I was going to work. So I thought, what's the point in trying to look good? I'm never going to be in front of the camera again. Fuck it, I might as well just pull the rip cord on it. And this one, this one, well, it went on for over a year probably because in between wrapping Game of Thrones in May 2018, I didn't work for a whole year after that mm. in any meaningful way. And I knew that we still had. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's like a promotion to do like 12 months later. So I thought, I've still got that in the future. So I still feel connected to it in some way. I still feel I'm part of the party in so much as I've still got to go and do these interviews and stuff. But when I got home from that promo trip, it just hit me like a polax, this sense of aimlessness. And, you know, and it's one of those things where it's, it's, it's such a horrible catch-22 trap to be in that you're, you're depressed or, you know, not depressed. That's, again, I don't, want to, I don't want to sort of overuse that word, but you're extremely down because you feel that you're not going to work again. And then your agent's sending you speculative emails going, they're, they're casting this thing. Do you want to self-tape for it? And you're a bit like, no, I just don't feel emotionally robust enough to deal with the inevitable rejection that's going to come yeah. from not getting it. So it's a bit like you're down because you don't want to work, but the opportunity to work is presenting itself, but you're not taking it because you're too down about not working. Yeah, it's a horrible yeah. sort of sort of self feeding sort of cycle. So that happened for a while, and then I got a phone call saying uh, Jennifer Lopez is doing a film, and her producer's been on the phone. I was a bit like, I just, I just can't sort of. I just, I'm not sure if I can be bothered self taping for this and just getting the rejection. I can't, I can't take being rejected by Jennifer Lopez at this, this stage, <laughs> this, this fucking stage of the game. I'm sorry. And she said, no, it's, it's an offer. They want you to, they want you to do it. Wow. And I was a bit like, why? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and was, once again, you just don't, you just don't realize that these people are even sort of thinking about you. You just don't feel like you're, you're in that sort of sea of faces that they're thinking about. And it turned out that it was nothing to do with Game of Thrones. They, they saw me do an interview on Ellen, I think. Right. And, and, they were, and, and Elaine, wonderful Elaine, the producer, was watching it. And she, she said, oh, maybe he'll work for that part. And that made me so happy because it felt like it was the perfect job, a sort of modern-day romantic comedy. And they weren't casting me in it because of Game of Thrones. It was because, yeah. so that, that then gave me a whole new sense of what I was worth outside of that. Yeah. yeah. The, the, it's not just about that. People can see you and see the potential in you without having this hanging over you. And because of that, because I read the part, and, I th and it seemed to me like the part wouldn't work necessarily if I was as big as I was at, yeah. at, at the time, I thought, well, I'd, I'd better get a bit of weight off. I better, I better deal with this addiction in a healthy way. I've, I've always, I've always worked out and I've, and I've, I've always, you know, tried to try to do that, but this, but this really gave me the, the spur to think there's a legitimate professional reason why I should lose weight now. Yes. 
I've got this, you know, once again, that thing of these incredible people are, are giving me this opportunity. And I don't have to be, I don't have to be buff for it. I can still be a bit overweight that work for the character in a certain way, but I just can't be distractingly big for this part. So I owed it to them to get it off, to make their character work yeah. in the best way possible. So that gave me a spur, finally got a grip of my, my sort of food addiction. It gave me a reason to come out of it. And, you know, we shot that film at the end of 2019. It's out at the start of next year. And just thinking about was it, it. Was it called me? It's called Marry Me. It's right. A, she's in it. In fact, the first time I met you, I just mm. got back from filming it that day. I don't know if you remember. Ah, yeah, yeah. I think we might have talked about it, yeah. I came to the, to the Top Flight show and, and we, yeah. we, I just got back from doing it. And uh, I can see you thinking, you weren't that fucking thin, mate, when I met you the first time. No, I'm but, actually uh, thinking, fuck's sake, he's had to come from fucking filming with Jennifer Lopez to watching me and Andy Dawson tits about <laughs> on stage. I can't believe it. <laughs> but she, she's, you know, she's just so incredible. And once again, that, that, that thing about when, when your self-esteem is a bit, is sort of low, sort of, Remember what other people think about you. And it doesn't have to be about yeah. movies. It doesn't have to be about David Benioff, Dan Weiss, Jennifer Lopez. It can just be, look what other people, look how much other people think about you and look how much they respect you and look how much they sort of, they have time for you. And if you're ever thinking that you're not worth anything to yourself, remember that you are worth something to other people. Mm. You're worth something to your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your kids. Mm. They sort of, they, they, they need, they need you. And, and, you know, that, that kind of, that kind of, you know, affirmation is, is something that you have to be sort of mindful of. So yeah, I've been, I've been saved a lot. And I, and I have been, I have been lucky that people have given me these opportunities. And it's interesting actually going, going after that, we went straight into lockdown and I started to, I sensed myself doing it again. I, I, as I think a lot of people did for different reasons, you sense, oh, yeah. your, you sense your discipline going because mm. you feel that you need to be soothed because you're going through stress and you're going through sort it of... Felt like the end, it felt the end of the world as well, so there was a slightly apocalyptic, fuck it. Exactly. I might as well just do whatever I feel is right. Exactly. Found myself doing that, and the second half of last year was... But, but it's that thing of... You, you, you do this stuff for years and then you're not conscious of why you're doing it and you're not conscious of any way that you can stop it or even that you should stop it. Mm. But you just turn a corner like I did in 2019 where you're, you're conscious of why you do the things that you do. And then, then, then you get the sort of self-awareness to think, I'm, I'm, I'm going to order this takeaway because I'm stressed, not because I'm hungry. So just... Mm just don't and I mean yeah so that gives you a way of sort of fighting back against all addictions are the same as like I mean I was a you know I had weight problems when I was younger and I was sort of I I often think that the fact that I would sit at home often alone I'm you know latchkey kids sitting at home in an empty house and I would like pass the time by doing a whole packet of digestives or whatever or a whole six pack of crisps and like that's why that was my thing when I was a kid you know and um, I often think, well, that that is that turned later in life into booze and coke, but there was no different. I now see, you know, having done therapy and investigated my feelings and and the way that the reasons why I did these things, so that actually I just switched. I switched horses, but it was the same race. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It yeah, was just totally. The, and actually, even when I got completely sober, I carried on doing other things like overwork, overexercise, overspending. Um, yeah. which is a big one for former addicts. Like, uh, you know, you, you kind of, you give it all up, you think you're fine. And then like so, some people just keep spending money in exactly the same way. You're stressed. Yeah. You're stressed. You might feel lonely. You're sad. You've got certain low self-esteem. And actually I think whether it's a, a, a drink, a lime, a spliff, you know, a, um, a pizza or going onto Amazon and fucking just blowing a load of money on a new bit of tech or something. Yeah. Like that, you know, really it's all the same thing. It's a little dopamine deposit. Yeah. 
to sort of distract you from from what you're thinking. I suppose I'm interested to know if you've actually have you ever sought help and 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 talked to a professional or anything like that to sort of look at the, the your past and and the things that fuel those feelings of anxiety or shame or stress that have, have led you to bad habits. I did. I did. I did therapy for for a, for a year. Uh, and, 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 and the trigger of the trigger of that was something which I'm not going to go into, into a lot of detail because it affects somebody else. And I just don't like airing that sort of laundry in public. Yeah. But I was, I was dealing with a lot of self-esteem issues in a, in a very unhealthy way. And in a way that not to do with food, to do with seeking affirmation mm. and an ego boost in the wrong areas, mm. which led to, you know, me potentially almost losing the most important thing in my life and and hurting people in a way in a way that my addiction to food never did. Seek seeking seeking, you know, those those hits from really quite sort of embarrassing and in sort of shameful places now I look back on it. So I, I, I went into therapy then and I, I when on a good day, I thought this is the best because, you know, you were un- unlocking things about yourself and, and, you know, you were really, really getting to know yourself. But on bad days, I was just thinking, I could, he's not saying anything. He was one of the, I don't know if there was, you know, the different types of therapists. He was a very good one. And he, and he really, really did help. He did, I'm not going to say it didn't help. But he, he didn't really say anything. He didn't really offer any answers. He didn't write anything down. He just mm. sat there and listened to me talk. Mm. And, on the, and on bad days, I was thinking, well, he's not giving me any answers. He's just listening to me explain the situation without really telling me what the solution is or what to do about it. So some days I felt really unsatisfied by it. And some days just through my own talking, really, I was able to unlock something. But I still don't know what he was quite doing. <laughs> what, yeah, I mean... Whether, whether, yeah. It, whether it's just about him, you know, he... he whether it's just his very presence there as a stranger who you trust instantly because of his qualifications. Isn't judging. Isn't, lack of judgment. Isn't, isn't judging, lack of judgment, and doesn't know you either. Maybe just his very presence there as an ear is what, the, what you pay for. You know what I mean? Maybe you're not going to get a prescription. It's just somebody to talk to. And, but then I started to think, well, it's just all me. I could just imagine that he's there. Mm-hmm. I could, I, 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 he's not really. I, I don't know what I'm. I don't know what he's uh, yeah, earning his money for. You? I mean, that, that's the other. I mean, I'm not here to support the therapists. That I often think Pete, there are so many different types of therapists with so many different approaches, and and really, I think it comes down to the chemistry between you and the other individual. And so, it's really lucky if you hit the jackpot first time. Yeah, I suppose I I I think, and I've been lucky because I kind of did. I think it was only the second therapist I'd ever sought help from, and I kind of am still seeing her now six six years later. So I did get lucky in that sense. But um, I suppose one of the things for me is, w- would I sit down and contemplate and confront um, my behaviour and the reasons behind it and at times stuff to do with your childhood or, or any of the other complex reasons why you act the way you do? My answer was no, because when those thoughts visited, that was precisely why I would have drunk or taken right, yeah. drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So I needed, it's a bit like I've got a trainer now, right? I've got, a, well, for about five years since I've been sober, I've also got, there's two things in my life that sort of structure a lot of my week, which is a therapist and a personal trainer, right? Yeah. And the personal trainer doesn't tell me to do anything that I don't know how. I've been seeing him for long enough. I know every exercise. I know how it works, right? I know what it achieves. And I do it sometimes without him. But him him just being there and fucking telling me to do it and thinking of new and more imaginative ways to do it and just fucking monitoring the fact that I will do it a certain number of times or or whatever. 
that makes a big difference to me. And I think it's the same with therapists. Sometimes I come off the phone from my therapist. We do it all on Zoom now, which is great. But I come off and I think, well, ah, she did. She didn't have to earn her money today because that was just me talking. At yeah. her. And at the end, she goes, same time next week. And I think, but I wouldn't have spent this hour at any other point in the week reflecting on the little moments where I might have in the past week say lost my temper or got irrationally grumpy or just felt fucking miserable and anxious for reasons I couldn't understand. Yeah. I wouldn't have reflected on that. Yeah. I guess self-reflection I think is almost the the most important thing for us to sort of get around or get over our bad habits. Yeah. Yeah. That is. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'd never, I'd never sort of deter anybody from doing it because I, because I think I think I progressed. If that's the right word, I I think that I that, I, that, that my progression through it was very very quick at first, and I did highlight a lot of problems, and I and I sort of in real terms dealt with them by stopping the pattern, just because just because I I, I was aware of it and knew how harmful it would be to people that I loved as well. So I didn't really need to try hard to stop it. It was just nice to find a to find a sort of, you know, a structure that, that I can base that sort of mm. that change in my behavior around. So I, I progressed very, very quickly and healthily, very quickly. And I thought this is the, the results are there for all to see. I was really, really chuffed about it. And then eventually I was just a bit like, I'd, I'd be on my way to see him and I'd be a bit like, fuck, am I going to tell him about this week? I've got, I've got nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. There's no, there's no sort of, there's no, I'm not feeling bad this week. So I don't actually want to go in and talk about bad things because. Yeah, because then it brings it back to the surface. Bring, yeah. Brings it back to the surface. Yeah. And because I'm sort of a people pleaser by nature, I'd be going in thinking, oh, fuck, I've got nothing for him. What am I going, what am I going to talk about? <laughs> and it's so interesting. The entire relationship was. And when I, the moment that I knew that I was going into a different space than I've ever been in before was I walked in the first time I, for my first session and I, he went, hello, John, nice to meet you. And I put out my hand to shake his hand and he just walked off. And I I was thinking, Oh, fucking hell. He's, he's, he's not a potential friend and he's not some, he's not somebody that wants to be charmed by me. And he's not somebody that wants to create a relationship. Wow. He doesn't want to be a friend. He doesn't want to make friends. He wants to be mm. distant enough that I feel that I am talking to a bit of a blank canvas. I'm not talking to a friend because I could talk to friends all the time. So he, he sort of rejected that moment of connection yeah. be- because he didn't want to create, he didn't want it to just turn into two mates chatting. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Which is which is one way of doing it, but I think that's kind of what I needed. Is because... that is that real? Were you imagining that when you say that, or do you think that's what was really going on with him? Like, oh, it was. There was no way that he didn't see my hand extended. <laughs> right. There was no. Power. Sounds like a power play, mate. Yeah. Unless, unless he unless he was just thinking, final season was a bit shit, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a straight running gecko. Oh, it's you. Nah, mate, I'm not shaking your hand. <laughs> but, but I, I'm sure that other therapists have different ways of doing it, but it was it was definitely a deliberate act of no, this isn't this isn't this. Mm. You're not going to make a pal here. I'm just literally, in a clinical sense, going to observe and listen, but mm. we're not going to be mates at any point during this. And it's actually good good for me because I will always try and bring people close to me. I'll try and disarm them. And try yeah. and be, try and be appealing, in a way. Yeah. But but I think it was just him saying this isn't the time and place for that. So stick your handshake at me, fucking asshole, mate. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> that's a bad start. Yeah, that's a bad start. Um, mate, what about uh, today? You you look very well. You Cheers. seem you seem happy and, and full of energy. It, it, you know, you're in a, a good place now. I'm in a I'm in a really really good place. I've discovered, uh, you know, you know, it, 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 in a way that I've tried to sort of get weight off in the past through extreme 
<clears throat> extreme measures. La- last year, uh, during lockdown, I started, I started running and I've never, and I've never ran before. And I hate, I, I hated every single step of running, really hated it. It was always, it was always knackering and just never got that. And when you see some runners and they have that sort of ease of movement where they look like they yeah. could just run for the rest of their lives. I never found that. And mm. I became so obsessed with it as being the only way to get weight off that I, I just didn't miss. I just, I, 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 the idea of missing a run was just terrifying. And even, even when my knees were gone, my knees were throbbing and broken, I wouldn't miss a run. And on a day that I had a run to do, I'd be dreading it all fucking day, all day. It'd hang over me like a cloud and then I'd do it and then I'd have the couple of hours after it where I felt good and then tomorrow the cycle would start again. And I had to go away and do a film, so I, I, I stopped running. And it was only when I'd stopped that I realised that that was actually making me really unhappy, actually. Yeah. Because it wasn't, it wasn't something that you were enjoying. It felt, like, it felt like effort, and it just wasn't for you. So this year, I've done about, since the start of the year, I've done about, I've done, I've done about three stone just from walking, wow. just from walking. Wow. Just walk, just, 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 just walk about. Yeah, fine, just, fine. just movement, isn't yeah, it? Really, exactly. it doesn't have to be a specific type of movement that helps. Exactly, I, I, I do weights with my with my PT, who I've known Dan, who I've known since I was eleven years old. So, okay. so, so we're mates, and he's been training me for a while. But, but he's he's really he's really he's really properly brilliant as well. So that feels like mm-hmm. exercise that I look forward to because it's doing exercise. No, doing doing weights, doing doing fairly sort of big weights, but it feels social and it feels we can sort of catch up while we're doing it, and that makes that an attractive prospect. And just going out for a walk every day, you know, the result the results will will be there. If you don't enjoy your exercise, you just won't stick to it. Absolutely, it, it's not about oh god, the harder it is, the more I dread it, the more grueling it is the more effective it is. Yeah. It's not about that. It, 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 it's consistently keeping it as something that you can do every day. And, you know, people say about, people have asked me about, you know, weight loss and stuff. And I've always said, it's the easiest and the hardest thing to do at the same time. It's the easiest thing because you just eat less, or not even eat less, eat more in a way, but just eat, eat the right food. Eat the, eat the food. If you know you're going to exercise tomorrow, Eat food today that's going to make it as easy as possible. Don't eat food yeah. that's going to make it fucking really hard tomorrow. Who do that? You know what I mean? Mm. It's the easiest and hardest thing to do because it, you just have to move about, have a structured exercise regime that you're looking forward to, eat properly around it. That sounds easy. The hard thing is doing it fucking this week and next week and the week after and the week after with no end point. It's not like oh well, oh well. Consistency is hard, especially with a job like yours. I think as well because yeah. you don't know where you're going to be, what situation you're going to be in, and and having a consistent routine must be very difficult when you find yourself away filming in different places at random times. Exactly, which is which is why it's best if you can to keep it to keep it. You know, you can walk anywhere. Yeah. You yeah. can walk anywhere you like. If, if you sort of tie yourself to the fancy new fucking machine at the gym where you have to, have to pull, the fucking, <laughs> yeah. the, pull, pull the strings down, you could go, go away for three months of being a, being a gym where that's not there. And you're a bit like, oh, well, I can't do it then. If you just walk, you can walk anywhere in the world and still every day feel like there's a sense of achievement to it. And, you know, I am, I am lucky as well in so much as I don't work every day. So I have the... I have the ability to, and I've got no kids, so I've got the. I, I, I can find the time to walk for three hours a day if I want. But, but it was it it, it was just at that turning point of exercise doesn't have to feel like a punishment. 
where it, where it did before. It felt like something that I was dreading in my day. So, so doing it gave me a sense of achievement once I had done it, that I could enjoy, I all, enjoy all my habits. Rest. When you're giving up habits or trying to change your life for the better, the problem is, is that everyone, you're sort of trained to believe that you're going to have to sacrifice something and that your life will be less enjoyable as a result in order for you to gain something else. And so with food and exercise, it's so true what you say about exercise. It's like if you're doing it and it's a punishing chore, you're never going to keep it up. But food's the same, isn't it? Because I sometimes go through periods of binging on crap. But the thing is, is that if you get it in your head that you can eat really nice food, I suppose, that, but it just isn't a certain type. Yeah. It's the same with me with drinking. For years, I couldn't give up drinking because I thought that the alternative was to sacrifice all the fun in my life. But yeah. once I realised that there was an alternative form of fun that was, if anything, better, you know, I could build a life that was more enjoyable, richer, more varied, you know, and, and use the energy Is it that, that I gained from not drinking or taking drugs. And I suppose that's it. A lot of people see too many negatives in change, don't they? But if you can turn it into positive, so you enjoy walking, you enjoy eating good food. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Then exactly. Life become, changing your life becomes so much easier. Yeah, exactly. Um, my dad, you know, my dad had a, had a serious problem with drink uh, all his life, all his life. Um, because he's he, he, my granddad did as well, and that and that there was that sort of mm. that sort of pattern to it. But my dad says, and I've got no reason to to not believe him. It's probably you know, it, it's not me pro- professing a, a, a faith in any direction, really. But he said that he was at a really low ebb, like the lowest ebb, just unemployed and had fell out with his parents and just was completely at a dead end. And you know, I come from an Irish Catholic family, and mm. he said that he said that one one night he remembered just just praying for to meet somebody and to have a little kid. He said he said he'd be praying and said if I can meet somebody and have a child with them, I'll stop this. I'll just stop it yeah. dead. And he met my mum for a couple of years later and had me and stopped. Wow! Stop! Stop! I mean, I mean, you know, had had a couple of blowouts since then. I can remember him. I can remember him being drunk and causing trouble and stuff. But you know, a couple of years into my life, he just completely stopped it, and he's been he's been sober ever since. And and I think I, I think that that you know, for a, for a man who is quite emotionally buttoned up, I think that showed a sort of that sort of sensitivity that I don't really associate with him. And he told me, he told me one night about that completely out of the blue. And I just, I, I remember just, just really admiring him so much for that. And, and, and just having a sense of what life was like, because you don't know what life's like before you came along mm. and you start to, that's when you start to feel really, I'm mean, not that I never, not that I didn't before, but it doesn't feel really special and really loved the fact that you come along and sort of save this, save this bloke's life. And I think a lot of people feel that way about their kids. You know, when, when you have a, when you have a reason to, to stay around, you'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. I'm really delighted that your dad has, you know, living so much of a better life now. I'm delighted that things have, have improved so much for you, mate. And um, yeah, I'm just so happy to have had this conversation with you today. It's, oh, it's mate. really, it's really wonderful, and and there's you know so so much inspiration and in things that you say that I think so many of us can relate to. It's always great to catch up with you, mate. Thanks so much. Oh, mate, anytime, anytime. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for thanks for thanks for thanks for listening. Same time next week. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, John Bradley West. What a man. I was captivated by John's story. I saw so many parallels between his eating issues and my own history of drink and drug problems. Addiction is addiction, I think. The forms it takes might vary, but it all boils down to us being unable to cope with certain feelings, thoughts or experiences and trying to find solace and escape in something. Be it a gram of coke, a bottle of scotch or an 18-inch pizza or any of the other bad habits we form to help us cope in life. 
Life can be intimidating. I know that feeling of finishing something big and being scared of never being able to succeed again, of losing faith in yourself, of feeling a bit worthless. But I love John's advice, trying to tap into the way that other people see you, understanding that there are people who do care about you and respect you, even when you're struggling to respect yourself. Anyway, thanks again to John for a really great conversation. And thanks to all of you for listening. As always, if you're one of those who've signed up to The Reset Extra recently, I'm very grateful for your support by paying a few quid a month via sandelaney.substack.com. You're enabling me to keep creating more content like this. If you haven't subscribed yet, then no worries. The normal weekly pod and newsletter are going to remain free. Thanks for listening either way. Be lucky. And until next time, remember, don't let the dickheads get you down. 